Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers, joined by John DeShazer. It was a great holiday week, hopefully for everybody who got to spend time with their family and friends. For us watching the Saints game, it could have gone a little bit better. However, we did have a great moment at the half when quarterback Drew Brees was back in the stadium getting to talk to the fans for the first time since his retirement as he was on the call for the NBC broadcast. John, I know you've spent a lot of time covering the Saints and definitely have had a lot of interactions with the former quarterback, Drew Brees. How good was it to see him back there and have him have that opportunity? Yeah, it was really nice. Um, it's not the send-off that eventually he'll he'll receive. I mean, really, the guy probably should get a parade or something. I mean, a, a day in New Orleans. Uh, but, you know, after the way the season ended, you know, last year with, with the loss in the divisional rounds of Tampa Bay at home, uh, there was an empty feeling because the, the, the Superdome wasn't full. It was, you know, obviously with the COVID season, so very, very limited capacity. And so able to show their true appreciation of for Drew Brees. So you got a better representation of it uh, last night on Thanksgiving night uh, for him to come back and, you know, really have a full house and, you know, get people to shower him with the, with the love and affection that, that he earned over this, those 15 years as a saint. Because like I said, when, when he walked off the field last year, after that playoff loss, it really, it, it felt empty. It felt, it was like, you know, kind of, this is it. So you knew at some point he'd come back. And, and uh, again, I'm sure at some point he'll come back again when he's in the Ring of Honor and, you know, Hall of Fame and all those kinds of things to, to where it'll be an even bigger celebration. It was definitely well done. It was a fun moment. It was loud in there. I think that was the loudest it was all game when he was announced and he was provoking the crowd to kind of cheer. There were a lot of video messages that got played on the video board. I think the only one that received a boo was when Tom Brady popped up. And, and he said something nice. <laughs> he did. He congratulated Drew on a great career, but he did ask him not to come back. Um, as much as everybody around here wishes he could, because he doesn't want to have to deal with uh, playing against Breeze. Even though the Saints got the better of them without him this year. So I don't, I don't know what, what Brady's complaining about. It wasn't just Breeze, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, they're competitors, and, and, if, and if Drew came back, then, you know, that means, you know, Tom would have to keep on playing to keep his passing yards records and touchdown records because, you know, he passed Drew, and they were kind of going neck and neck for a while. So if Drew came back, then he'd have to, you know, keep playing a little bit longer. I think he says he wants to play till 50 now, but he might push it up to 53 or something. I don't He's going to get his, you know, AARP card uh, while <laughs> football. He's definitely a machine, but we're making, we're going to talk about Drew Brees here. <laughs> we want to talk about the other NFC South uh, team or who they have leading them. You obviously, as I mentioned, have a, had a lot of time with, with Breeze. Kind of just overall, now that you've taken a year to kind of step back, what are some of the main things that stood out about him and in his career? Well, I mean, it's incredible for anybody to play 20 years in the NFL, number one. But number two, a guy who I guess didn't have all the physical gifts that generally are associated with that position. You know, he wasn't the tallest guy. He wasn't the fastest guy. He wasn't the most athletic guy. He didn't have the biggest arm. Uh, what he did have was an unparalleled work ethic and a drive that even now, uh, I don't know that a lot of people have, um, you know, 
you know, you got to want to be around that. That's a big grind to do anything for 20 years. And when you're talking about a pro, pro sport, what you have to do as your physical, as your physical abilities start to deteriorate, the things you have to do to compensate and what you have to go through mentally and physically to do that, to make that happen, it is really incredible to see. And so for a guy to be able to hang around that long and not, not I shouldn't say hang around, to be an effective player, to still be one of the tops in the league at his position, you know, after playing that long was phenomenal to watch. It was phenomenal to watch just his routine because he's a creature of habit. Anybody who's seen Drew Brees, uh, he is a creature of habit. And he's got things that he does maintenance wise where you're just not going to interrupt his routine. So I don't care who it is. You know, if Drew had a post, he had a post-practice routine and he wasn't going to have it, you know, disrupted by anybody for any reason. And so it was like, you know, sometimes we'd be waiting on him, but he'd be like, hey, I, you know, I got to, you know, I got to do my thing. And he'd do his thing and we kind of wait for him to, but he was always there to, you know, address the media on Wednesdays. But, you know, he was just a creature of habit. And that was one of those things that was, that really stood out about him that, you know, the time and the effort that he put into it to be great, you know, to, to be not just a contributor, but to be great at it, especially after he injured that shoulder, uh, when, which, you know, lesser guys could have ended, could have ended their careers, especially quarterbacks. Uh, but for him to come back and then, you know, reach the pinnacle that he did was, was phenomenal to watch. How about that Super Bowl run that they went on, especially the timing of that for the city and the community and kind of what that meant? I mean, I, obviously wasn't working for the team then. And, and I remember it, um, the image of him on the field after the game. I mean, it was iconic covering that season and seeing him take the charge there. Uh, kind of what stands out to you about that one? Well, just the leadership. I mean, he, Scott Fajita, one of his, one of his former teammates, I think had the best description of him. He called him, I think, annoyingly optimistic because basically he could find a silver lining in anything. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, three losses in a row, four losses in a row. Drew Brees could find a silver lining. He was always looking for what was positive to come. And so, you know, I don't know if that aggravated his teammates. I know it aggravated media people because I was on the other side, you know, when you see, but, you know, then you get around him and it was like, okay, this is genuinely who this guy is. He genuinely is always looking half full. He's never looking half empty. And I guess as a leader, that's what you need to be. You need to be a guy who isn't looking half empty because everybody's looking to you uh, to lead them, to be the voice of the team or the face of the team or whatever it is. And when you're the quarterback, you're the CEO of that team. You know, you, you carry the message. And if your message is anything other than we can win every game every week, then you're probably not the guy for the job. And he was the guy for the job, especially – when he came in, you know, he came in after Hurricane Katrina. And really, this was Reggie's team. Reggie Bush was the number two overall pick. Uh, Heisman, former Heisman Trophy winner from, from Southern Cal. And, you know, when the team got that number two pick, everybody thought he was not going to be there. thought he was going to be drafted number one overall. Well, when the Texans took the defensive end, and I can't remember his name right now, and it became evident that Reggie Bush was going to be a saint, this was Reggie Bush's team. I mean, you know, Front to back, top to bottom, it was Reggie's team. And so it speaks to Drew's personality and performance and production that he became 
not just the unquestioned leader of the team, uh, but re- the best player in franchise history, hands down. And I mean, I've got great respect for Ricky Jackson, who's in the Hall of Fame. I've got great respect for Morton Anderson, who's in the Hall of Fame. I've got great respect for Willie Rose, who's in the Hall of Fame. I've got great respect for a lot of guys who play for the Saints. But Drew Brees, hands down, unquestionably, inarguably, the best player in franchise history. And it became evident early that he was going to be on that path uh, because he, because of the kind of leader he was and the kind of production he had. What stood out to me since I've been here and covering the team is how many people referenced him as helping make them better. You know, he spent a lot of time with Jameis Winston and, and helping him throughout last season. And we saw that development. We saw the, you know, increase in Winston's play and decision-making over the first part of this season. I think that that will help this team down the line, the amount of attention that he helped or that he spent on trying to make others around him better as well. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll kind of see that pick back up when Winston's able to get back on the field for the team next season. And then overall, just his uh, affinity for the Saints in New Orleans stands out as well. He definitely always is talking very highly about the community and um, his time here. So that's always good to see as well. As you mentioned, we'll definitely see some more uh, events with him. I'm sure they will honor him in several ways down the line. Of course, you obviously are voting for him for every honor that they can <laughs> give him. <laughs> when, when, when it's time for the Hall of Fame, they won't, I mean, there will not be a necessary, you know, when, you, when you're up for the Hall of Fame, there'll be like a writer from your city who represents, you know, has the Hall of Fame vote. He'll get up and he'll stand up and he'll, you know, give a little speech or something. Well, the the speech for Drew Brees will be whoever it is will stand up and say, Drew Brees, and sit down. That's all he needs to say. Rattle off a whole bunch of numbers and all that kind of stuff. I think somebody said that speech, somebody made that speech for like, I don't know if it was Jerry Rice or somebody just kind of stood up, said the guy's name, Jerry Rice, and sat down. And that was all the speech he needed to make. That's going to be it for Drew Brees. Stand up, say Drew Brees, and sit down because you don't need to add anything. Yeah, I definitely think that that would go over very well. We're going to bring in NFL Network reporter Taylor Viscotti. She was on hand for the game. Saints-Bills was a 31-6 loss for the Saints. But she was there. Going to talk a little bit about Breeze, a little bit about the Saints, and what's been going on with the team. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out of a holiday weekend. And I know we enjoyed having you at the Superdome yesterday. What was it like being there? It was a really fun, you know, Thanksgiving day environment. It was. Thank you for having me. Honestly, it was such a fun game to be at. And the hospitality in New Orleans is always amazing. So I never have a bad time there. But it was a really fun game to be at, especially when you found out that Drew Brees was going to be honored at halftime. It was so cool to see right when we walked into the Superdome early that morning across every chair was the towel and just the way that the stadium lit up, I would say at halftime with all the fans going so crazy when he came out there and the marching band was incredible. We got to see a lot of those rehearsals beforehand. Uh So I wasn't that surprised to see the Drew come together, but it was really, from what I heard, I spoke to a few of the marching band members and they said that it took a long time to prepare and get that together. So it was a really, it was a great gesture. Yeah. They spelled out his name and you know, as Drew and it was great. I I would never be able to do that. I think I would be the person that's not in the right formation. 
<laughs> that would have been me as well. That coordination was next level. <laughs> it was great to have him back there, especially since the fans didn't get a chance to really say goodbye to Drew with the way the COVID season went. And then to be able to have him run down at halftime during his NBC broadcast, just in your conversations with people about Drew Brees and kind of what he meant to the organization, kind of what was your feeling about being able to have him back there for a night? I don't think that there's ever been a quarterback that's made such an impact in the Saints organization that Drew has. I mean, even looking up when you're sitting in the Superdome, you're in the press box and so you're looking at all the banners around them and so many, you know, accomplishments that he's made with that team. Uh, the 2009 Super Bowl, the multiple NFC championship banners that are just hanging in the Superdome. And not to mention just how much he's given back to the community. And he immersed himself in the community in New Orleans from day one. He is the first person to give back whenever there's been, you know, any, you know, natural disaster that's struck, like strike. Both he and his wife, Brittany, are amazing. So it's hard not to love him. And I, if I was, you know, Saints fan, I would, there'd be no reason for me not to be the diehard Drew Brees fan. Were you able to get yourself one of those towels? I was able to get myself one of those towels. I actually hung one up in uh, one of our live shots and I got so many Twitter requests asking, Hey, would you mind bringing me that uh, saints towel home? Or do you mind shipping it to this address? So apparently those are hot commodities. Yeah. We are getting a lot of the same requests too. It's, <laughs> it's pretty funny, but people do love Drew Brees. Unfortunately, I'm not able to suit up for the saints in any more ball games could have used him last night oh my gosh somebody actually tweeted that out during yeah. the game they're like gosh can he stop talking and could he actually just go down there suit up and help this help this depleted saints offense out right now and that would have been kind of exciting to see i think he kind of he left the door open when somebody had asked him this earlier on in the season they're like would you ever go back out there and play and i don't think he fully said no so I still think that that door has been left a little bit open, but I don't think that he would at this point. I feel like he's moved on from his, his football days, but that would be, that would be kind of cool to see. Um, when I was on the field before the game too, uh, he had come out to, I, I think for the NBC broadcast, they were looking at the Turkey legs and a bunch of the guys on the Saints team just came over and jumped on him. And I watched them walk into the tunnel together. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, this must be so weird for him to be back here around some of his former teammates and he's in a suit instead of in you know pads shoulder pads and uh, uniform I couldn't imagine that feeling yeah it was definitely different to see him on the sideline in in that regard uh, I definitely need to go back and listen to the broadcast to kind of see what his commentary was covering a Saints game and especially the way things have been going I'm sure it's been hard and he obviously has lots of opinions about that when you were doing your research kind of talking to some of the players the coaching staff what is just kind of the overall theme right now for the Saints that you've kind of gathered over the past few weeks I feel like you can't talk about them without referencing all the injuries that they've had mm -hmm. it's one injury after another and of course the most you know, talked about ones is Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, except it starts, I mean, it starts on defense. It starts on left tackle. There's just so many players that are injured. And then you even look at the quarterback position. People are, you know, not insulting them, but, you know, frustrated that the saints aren't able to get much going on offense because it's not very, you know, there's a team that's usually a high flying offense and it's tough for them, but you can't blame them when they've got this many players injured. There's just not that much for them to work with right now. Sean Payton said after the game, he's like, look, we played bad on offense and we've got to do better 
but there's just not that much there right now to work with. Yeah, definitely hoping that this week in between games, because it was such a short week for us, is going to allow some people to get healthy, yeah. get back on the football field. That will be huge for us. The, you mentioned kind of the environment of the Superdome. How many opportunities have you had to cover a game there? It was actually my first game that I've covered there. Um, I've been to the Superdome plenty of times. It's always very loud. I think it would be up there in the top five dome stadiums that get the loudest. Their fans are very crazy. Um, but that was my first game that I've ever covered there. So it was very neat. The whole atmosphere, just the way they do the player intros and being able to kind of control the lights and, and everything like that is always fun to watch. So awesome that you were able to be there for the first time, primetime game. I know we all wish it would, would have gone a little bit differently for the Saints. The good thing is, is that they're not out of it in the NFC. I feel like both the AFC and NFC, it's uncharacteristic for both these divisions to be totally up for grabs. And that's what's happening with both of these divisions. There really isn't a clear team that's taken their conference. And so I do think the Saints still have a chance, even though they do, they don't really have that much of a rest week because they are playing next Thursday. So they only have a week off. Um, I do think they could still stay in it. I think they can turn it around. They would just have to get some of their key, key offensive players healthy. In the games that you've covered this year, does anybody kind of stand out to you at this point? Um, the Bills look really good, but again, they've been inconsistent. They've lost to the Jaguars and they've lost to the Colts who are a good team last week, but to lose the Jaguars, that's just, it doesn't make sense. And I feel like we've seen that week after week after week that thank God I don't gamble on games because I think I would be broke right now (laughs) because there's really been no way of looking at, you know, a team's strengths on paper and where they rank up in terms of offense and defense and their rankings and then they go up and play a team and it's completely, completely different. Yeah. Like the outcome is not, does not represent the results or like where they are in the standings. You said you haven't covered a game at the Superdome. However, I'm sure you're familiar with coach Sean Payton and his capabilities as a coach. What do you think that his focus needs to be, you know, kind of going through the rest of the season? Gosh, I would just say getting, getting his players healthy. I mean, we know that Sean Payton is one of the best play callers there is. That's why he's had so many, you know, conference championships. He's had so much success. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. Um, I think that once he gets his players healthy and they can get their rhythm on offense going, I think this is their 10th straight game where they haven't scored on opening drive, which that's abnormal for the Saints too. And that's become a theme this year. I don't think that they've scored since week one. Um, on an opening drive. So they've got to find a way to start quicker and play quicker. They're just kind of like hitting lulls and they aren't converting any of their third downs. It's definitely been a slow start. Luckily we were able to keep the streak alive of not being shut out. It's been 314 games or so now. So that's good. That's a positive. There's there's the silver lining. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's black Friday. Any uh, big deals that you're going after today? I, I need to, I haven't even had time to look online yet. I literally took a 7am flight out from New Orleans this morning to go visit my family in Florida for a day late Thanksgiving with them. And so once I, once I unpack my computer and start scrolling through, I'll probably, I'll probably hit up shop op. There you go. Thank you so much for joining us for a few minutes. I appreciate it. Enjoy the time with Thank family. Thank you.
John, you and I talked a lot after the game on our post-game report about things that we saw in the game. Obviously, the slow start by the Saints, a big factor, something that needs to change. Is it just a matter of getting the personnel back on the field for those changes to start happening? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think I don't know if you can say it better than Coach Payton said. I mean, there's not going to be outside help coming. I mean, path inside the building is going to have to suffice. And majorly, uh, Alvin Kamara being back, um, you know, hopefully Ryan Ramchek coming back, hopefully Mark Ingram coming back, uh, hopefully um, Ron Armstead being at full health. And also, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's obviously been injured. I know, you know, you look at Twitter, and I understand, folks, you know, you, you want to see a change and you want to see some energy. Uh, but you've got to use some deductive reasoning. If the guy wasn't playing in the situations where he normally plays, then I think you can deductively reason that there's something wrong with him. <laughs> you don't have to be like, oh, they're stupid for not playing him. No, there's a reason they're not playing him in the situations that he generally plays in. So, you know, Coach Payton finally kind of said, yeah, look, the guy's hurt. You know, he wouldn't have been – he's an emergency quarterback. He wouldn't have been able to do the things. And you could just look and see, you know, and theorize that he wouldn't have been able to protect himself as he generally does and that way – you know, that's why you don't put him on the field. So the Saints need him. They need him back on the field, uh, whether it's that quarterback or whether it's at his multiple positions. It might be at quarterback when he gets back healthy, but they need him back on the field because he adds an element to this team of, of physicality. Of, you know, he's one of those guys who, you know, you you follow him, you know, and, and he, you know, I think his teammates have great respect for because of the sacrifices he's made. And he, he didn't just say, look, I'm a quarterback only, and that's all I'm going to do, and you can't make me I, – I won't – I refuse to do anything else. When he wasn't playing a few years ago, the first thing they did was put him on kick cover team, kickoff cover. And we looked, and we were like, what is a quarterback doing running down covering kicks? Well, we saw him do it. It was like, okay, I see why he's running down covering kicks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, he's one of those guys who, you know, you put him out there, and he's just a player. And I think, you know, adding him back to this team – is going to be very, very beneficial for this team, along with the other guys I mentioned. Um, defensively, they definitely stepped up in several different ways. We had Bradley Roby, Quan Alexander with their first interceptions on the season. Those were great moments for the defense. Uh, linebacker Demario Davis led the team with 10 tackles. There were a few sacks. So the defense was definitely putting forth the effort, and Saints were definitely in this ball game, you know, mid-third quarter especially for it to be 10-0 at the half, I think was, was huge. Mm -hmm. Just unable to, to capitalize offensively on some of those turnovers. But, but defensively, maybe not the performance we wanted to see from them against the Eagles, but I do think that they made some progress here this week against the Bills. Yeah, they looked pretty good for the first half. And I mean, they, they were, you know, in, in the end, they were disappointed because, you know, they gave 21 second half points. Uh, they were on the field a long time. Mm -hmm when your offense isn't scoring and it's, it's not converting third downs, you know, at some point, you know, it just kind of, you know, it, it's just the law of averages. I mean, the, the other guy's going to get you when they get that many swings at you. And so eventually a Buffalo with an outstanding quarterback in Josh Allen, and you were able to get some, get some plays against the saints, but you know, you're not going to be able to, this is the NFL. It's hard to pitch a shutout. And that first half was a really, after that first drive, they gave up a 10 play 65 yard touchdown drive, I think. After that, they were fantastic uh, in that first half. And so you got to get some balance and some help from the offense. And I know, you know, teammates 
don't want to call out teammates. You don't want to call out units. It's all one collective team. Uh, but they've got to get more help from the offense to be able to stay on the sideline and, and catch their breath and to be able to look at the scoreboard and say, okay, we don't have to pitch a shutout because it's just difficult to shut teams out in the NFL, especially teams as good as Buffalo and the upcoming opponent, uh, Dallas is offensively. It's going to be tough to shut them out. So you've got to get some help from the offense. It took a, a while for the Saints offense to eclipse the 100-yard total offensive mark, and it, it didn't come until that drive that bled into the fourth quarter that they were able to do that. Definitely needed to get the run game going. I know Coach Payton mentioned the need for some more balance offensively. Does that start with the quarterback? There were some passes, I think, that looked good. I mean, some of the passing game was, was good yesterday. Well, it starts with the run game. If you can't run in the NFL, you can't win. Um, or it's really, really hard to win. Uh, if you can't, if, if, the, if the opponent doesn't have to respect your run game and they shut it down completely and make you one-dimensional, you know, that's going to make life that much more difficult for you to be able to score or be able to move the ball on offense. Um, yeah, Trevor Simeon wasn't great uh, Thursday night, but he's got to get, again, he's got to get some help from his receivers. Um, you know, this is the NFL, and contested catches are part of the deal. Uh, you've got to be, if you can't get separation, and unfortunately the Saints receivers haven't gotten great separation, then you've got to be able to make contested catches. And unfortunately, we hadn't seen them make a lot of contested catches this season. And sometimes it's just a matter of, of that. you got to catch it when a guy's on you. you got to catch it when a guy's, you know, tugging on your jersey or grabbing on your arm. you got to make a play to help your quarterback and help your offense out and just keep that unit on the field. And so sometimes it's just that simple. you got to make some contested plays. The offense has got to run it better. That probably happens when you get Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram back. And that's no knock against Tony Jones Jr. and Ty Montgomery, but there's a reason Alvin Kamara is an all-pro and a pro bowler. There's a reason Mark Ingram is the all-time leading rusher in Saints history. Those guys are productive. Uh, they know what this offense needs and they know how to provide it for this offense. So you get them back and you hope that that helps the run game, but you still have that issue in the pass game where you got to make, you got to have some guys. And I don't care if it's Trevor Simeon. I don't care if it's Taysom Hill. I don't care if it's Jameis Winston. I don't care if it's Drew Brees. I don't care who it is. You've got to make some contested catches, you know, at some point during, during this process to help out your offense. And so we got to see these receivers make a few more plays, whether they're wide open or whether they're contested. You mentioned the time of possession. Bills had it for about 35 minutes, Saints 25. So, yeah, there was a 10-minute differential there, which is a lot. And then the penalties, I think, were good. They definitely cleaned up that area, only having four penalties for 24 yards is a positive. And the kicking game didn't come into play because they didn't attempt a field goal or an extra point. So, so far, the kicking game's looking great for, I mean, this is the best game for our, our kicker. Yeah, best in a while anyway, huh? right? So, but, but, but again, that's a, that's a part of the same thing where you got to get maybe a kickoff or punt return. You got to get something to add some juice because this team is just struggling so much offensively that you got to get some somebody to chip in somewhere and that and that might have to be Buffalo had a really good kick cover plan against the Saints you rarely you don't see people kicking the ball to Deontay Harris and they kicked it to him and they were like we got this we got him covered we're going to get him before he gets to the 25 they were getting him before he got to the 20 so they had a fantastic kick cover plan but the Saints have to have a better return plan because 
they might need to, they, not might, they need to add something to this team because they need to get this team a short field. They need to help in and pitch out. And, you know, they've almost, they come really close to blocking a punt the last two weeks. Hadn't gotten it, but really close. So I think they might be on the verge of getting one. But again, that speaks to the desperation where they're saying, you know what? We got to help this team somewhere. We got to block a punt and maybe return it for a touchdown and get a short field or something. So they're trying, but they're going to have to get, they're going to have to have a splash play in, in that unit also. The first several games of the season, the special teams, they were stepping up in that regard yeah. with blocks, whether it was punt or field goal. So yeah, it would be nice to see that side of, of the game kind of step out and, and have an impact on things. And there was Andrew Dowell who went out with a concussion early in the game. And then cornerback Paulson Adebo also came off the field. So a couple of injuries we're going to be watching this week as, as well as the other ones that we were already watching heading into this ball game. And then you mentioned the next opponent with the Cowboys. It's another Thursday night game, 720 on Fox. Cowboys, they're having their own struggles right now. They've lost three of the last four games. They go into overtime against the Raiders last night, lose that one 36-33, although they were without some of their offensive uh, weapons without having Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb available. What is it going to take to limit an offense that even without those guys had over 400 yards of total offense yesterday? Well, I mean, you, you, you start with the assumption that Dallas is going to score. And so you need to score some too, because they, you know, when you've got, you know, Dak Prescott playing the way he is, and even though Ezekiel Elliott banged up a little bit, he's still out there. Uh, they've got another good running back. I think it's Tony Pollard. Mm -hmm. um, Amari Cooper and CD Lamb will be back at receiver against the Saints. <laughs> so you, you need to score on offense. Now, the good part is Dallas' defense has struggled. They really have not played well. And, and you know, you saw it in, in the overtime game against the, the Raiders where the Raiders were able to put up 36 points on them. Um, the Raiders had some really good plays against them offensively. And so there are some weaknesses there. Can the Saints take advantage of it? That's a whole different question. But the Saints have a team full of guys who aren't accustomed to losing. I mean, these guys have been winning. They won a division for four straight years. So these guys have gotten accustomed to winning. And so this four-game losing streak, should have them pretty good and ticked off. They, they, they're not accustomed to this. And so hopefully they'll respond the right way to that. Uh, they should be feeling pretty soft. They're not accustomed to feeling this way, not for this long a period of time. So hopefully that will manifest, it, manifest itself on the field. Uh, but Dallas's defense has been struggling. And so a struggling defense, you know, might be the remedy, we hope, for a struggling offense. You mentioned that it's been a while. It's been since 2015 since the Saints have lost four in a row. So, yeah, it's, it's been some time since they've had to sit with these feelings. Kind of looking at the division here, this loss by the Saints knocks them down a peg. They're currently sitting at third right behind the Panthers as the Panthers beat them earlier this year. So definitely need to start changing things around and getting some wins there. Carolina has Miami this weekend. Atlanta has Jacksonville. So, those aren't the, the toughest opponents for either of yeah. our, our divisional opponents here. So it's not going to get any easier next week for the saints, but we're going to hope for a better outcome for sure. Yeah. It's always about handling your own business. Uh, you can't wait for somebody else and, and, you know, wish upon a star that somebody else wins games for you. You gotta, you gotta win your own. That's, that's where it begins for the saints. I mean, the saints were five and two. Now they're five and six that has been in their hands. Had they been able to take care of their own business, 
They wouldn't have to look at the scoreboard. They wouldn't have to look at other games and say, you know, who's doing what. Uh, they had it in their hands because they were five and two and they had beaten Tampa Bay. So all they needed to do was continue the path of winning and they owned the tiebreaker against Tampa Bay and they'd have been in great shape. So, you know, now the things that you can control are the only things you can control, which are in your hands. So control the things that you can and, you know, don't even worry about the scoreboard watching because it doesn't matter a whole lot now when you when you lost four in a row. The only business that needs to be attended to is your own. All right. Break down the schedule for us with this Thursday game. They do get a full week again of preparation, uh, but kind of how are things looking today would be a, we review the film kind of day. Yeah. I mean, I think Sunday becomes Wednesday, uh, which is the full practice day. And then Monday becomes Thursday, Tuesday becomes Friday, Wednesday becomes Saturday. I'm, I'm, I'm all jumbled up in my head, but I think, I think that's what the schedule is going to be <laughs> because of the off days. So, you know, really they'll get back to it full swing probably on Sunday with the first full dive in practice into the Cowboys uh, game plan because that Sunday will be Wednesday because of the staggered schedule. Okay, well, we'll definitely be back with more on the Saints podcast on Monday as we kind of get a better look at things leading into this Cowboys game. Appreciate Taylor for joining us, John for the time. Everybody enjoy the rest of the holiday weekend. Enjoy watching other games on Sunday. We will talk to you again next week on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. You can catch it on NewOrleansSaints.com or our app presented by Verizon. 